You're sitting in the press box with Grainy and Bischoff. Call the judge and call, get some fudge. Call the judge and get some fudge? On ESPN Las Vegas. We're back. I uh, wanted to go over this uh, all, all uh, since yesterday, and uh, glad to have uh, Ash from at Sam and Ash Law on Twitter, SamandAshLaw.com. Best there is, 702-820-1234. Good morning, Ash. How are you? I'm great. Happy Friday, Good. guys. Yeah, happy Friday. Talk to you on Wednesday, but this happened, uh, and we've followed this closely, the ties to Bishop Gorman and um, UNLV. This happened yesterday where uh, Zayon Collins, the apparently the prosecutor, brought the case to a grand jury and uh, I know Tyler and I have a lot of questions because when I first read what happened, I, I, I'm sorry, I was completely confused. Now, I'm going to go through this, and I know you know the case. Stop me if I'm wrong, that the grand jury uh, failed to bring back an indictment on the DUI charge, even though we had read his legal limit on, on the marijuana had been over. But they did bring back an indictment on the reckless, reckless driving. And yet what really confused me was it said the prosecutor then dropped the indictment on the reckless driving. And yet the story then went on to say next week he will pursue these charges. Can you take us through the step-by-step of why he would drop the reckless driving and what you think the odds are now going forward that this ever gets to fruition in terms of a trial or or what could happen here? Yeah, absolutely, guys. Um, So here's the deal. At the outset of any type of arrest or investigation, even prior to an arrest, a prosecutor has an ability to take its case either through a grand jury or through the filing of some sworn statement and then um, go through a preliminary hearing process. So usually grand juries are used whenever there is a high-profile case, somewhat like this, where there's a lot of press, a lot of notoriety, high-profile figures are involved. Um, And so there's one thing. Grand jury proceedings are not open to the public. The prosecutor's the only person that goes. Defense lawyers don't even get to go. Um, And so the defense, I mean, the prosecutor has to put on its case, really, what evidence they have proving that, one, the crime, the DUI, or the reckless driving was committed, and it was committed by Zayon. Here, the grand jury, after hearing all of the evidence that the prosecutor had, says, okay, the only crime we agree has been committed is the reckless driving. They did not find the DUI, even though the legal limit is his uh, THC levels in his blood was exceeding what Nevada has as a law. They didn't do, they didn't indict him on that. There's a variety of reasons why, and I suspect it's jury nullification, which is where the law is what it is, but the jury disagrees with the law and doesn't think it's actually impaired driving, even if you're above that amount. Um, And so the other reason why the prosecutor might have dismissed the reckless driving charges, because if they keep it, then I believe that all of the the transcript from the grand jury proceedings becomes public eventually. They get to see what the testimony was. So here they got rid of it. They went through the grand jury process. The grand jury didn't do what the prosecutor wanted, but, you know, prosecutors get second bites at the apple. They could go back to the grand jury again, but instead they had already done the information and are headed toward a preliminary hearing. And here, a preliminary hearing, open to the public, before a judge, defense gets to cross-examine any witnesses, they get to put their own witnesses on. But again, the, the standard of proof here, it's a probable cause. So did is there a reasonable basis to believe Zayon committed one a crime and it was, in fact, him that did it? So I anticipate a judge will end up binding this over. The The prosecutor just wanted to potentially go go about it without having to go through with the public preliminary hearing process. 
So <laughs> I am curious on the jury nullification, basically saying, okay, he was over the legal limit, but we don't believe he should be punished for being over the legal limit. What is the logic behind that? Well, you know, you see that a lot. Um, you hear about it when jurors are trying to get out of uh, jury duty. Um, you know, if it's a capital murder case where there might be having a death penalty, jurors will say, even if the, the all the charges line up and all the evidence points to the death penalty, I don't believe in it, so no. Um, that's what jury nullification is. And one of the things that I've just kind of learned recently is that Nevada, as for, for states that have recreational marijuana use laws on the books, Nevada's um, per se limit for what's impaired is actually relatively low. Um, ours is like two nanograms, and other states use five nanograms. And all it really does is it's a way of trying to prove impairment. It's not it doesn't guarantee impairment, but it's a presumption. It's called a per se law. So if you exceed this amount, you're per se believed to be impaired, but it's not It's not 100% certain. Uh, two things uh, that jump off to me, um, because it is a high-profile case. It was on Twitter right away what happened. Quotes from the, you know, the defense attorneys. It's in the paper and all that. So two things. Uh, I don't assume, but correct me if I'm wrong, it will be the same judge next week. And if it is... Or if you're a prospective juror, if he binds it over to trial or whatever might happen, if you're the prosecutor, are you worried that this all the news about the grand jury came out? And can the defense actually present that in opening arguments or whatever, saying, hey, this went to a grand jury and it didn't happen? I assume he can't. But how much can this skew either a judge or the jury that he they know what happened with the grand jury? Um, well, the, the grand jury doesn't have a judge present. It's literally okay, just okay, the, the okay. impaneled jury and the prosecutors and whatever witnesses. Um, and in this case, it would be a police officer to testify to the police reports. Okay. So there's, there's no judge that has seen what, what evidence has been put on by the prosecutor. And, okay. I, you know, it's not good for the prosecutor because they get to go in a private room with a jury and they get to put on their case. And, of course, the law says they have to put on any uh, exculpatory evidence, which would be helpful to the defense, you know, that goes against their case. They have to put on a relatively fair case before the grand jury. And here the jury said no. Okay. So what are the chances here that <laughs> nothing happens to say on Collins? Because if, if the prosecutor couldn't convince a jury when he's in a room with just the jury, how is he going to do that if it's actually a, an actual case with a judge and a defense attorney? What are the chances Zayon Collins is walking away with this with no jail time, no charges, no anything like that. Um, well, so again, the the grand jury proceeding is one thing. Now, Zayon Collins has to go before a judge for the preliminary hearing. And again, the standard here is probable cause. It's a very low threshold. I anticipate this proceeding toward a trial. Um, but then again, if this grand jury <laughs> failing to indict on this um, on the DUR, DUI charge, that that's a blow to the prosecutor's ego, and they might want to try and plea this out and not put it on again, even if the judge allows it to go forward and sets a trial date on both charges. The the prosecutor might want to plea this out um, because they're they're you know they're worried that another jury will. Of refuse to find that being above two nanograms is in fact impairment. And that's just not good. It's not a good look for a prosecutor. 
on, on if the it, so if we if we just ignore the DUI part of this, and if it's just the reckless driving where he's going plus eighty in a thirty-five, and he hits a car that's turning, what what's the change in charges and jail sentence if there if there's no DUI attached to this? Ooh, I, you know, I, I believe it's still a Class B felony with like one to six years in prison. Um, so I you know I am not positive, but I believe if there's impairment. Um, then it can go uh, almost up to 20 years. Okay. That, that's my, I, if, if my recollection serves me, that's what the sentencing laws are. But, I, you know, that's, again, not civil law over here. Um, I'm going off of what I recall when I worked in the Orange County DA's office. But um, it's a significant difference. Um, okay. If, if it's reckless driving, and correct me if wrong, is it, I don't know if the charge is reckless driving that resulted in death. I, I, re- I thought I read that before. Um, if you're the defense attorney, I'll put your, your hat on as the defense attorney right now, you know what happened with the grand jury. I mean, you must feel pretty good about it. If they come on a plea bargain with time, and I know this is a tough question, I'm sorry I have to ask you because it's so up in the air of what would happen. If they came with any time at all, is the grand jury saying no enough in your mind to say, I'll take my chances? Um, No. <laughs> you no. know that. okay okay. Uh, it, okay when when you know what um that's a tough for a young defendant who feels culpability in this um and i i think if my memory is refreshing i believe he's still up for 20 years even if on just a reckless driving uh that results in death um and so that's a lot of time and if a judge right. can if a if a prosecutor can offer him a chance to be out by the time he's 30 that's tempting versus 50, you know, or 40. Like those are, those are large, important chunks of time in a, in a young person's life. And so uh, I, that's a lot to gamble, especially knowing what we know where it, the law is two nanograms. He came back, I believe, at three. Um, and so you got one nullification by a grand jury, but that doesn't, that doesn't guarantee anything moving forward to the next impaneled jury. It's going to be new people in that box. All right. Well, this is why we brought you on. Um, I, we were both confused, and you've cleared up a lot for us. Because when I saw that headline yesterday, uh, I guess Eric, you know, foolishly or just not knowing what was happening, I really thought. And I talked to Tyler last night at a game. We weren't sure if he would just walk. Uh, you've obviously filled this in in a lot. Uh, finally, you expect then if they go forward with and don't offer a plea, is there anything in your mind where you wouldn't think a judge would would uh, remand this over to trial and just say, look? there is probable cause to, to at least take it one step further. Yeah, I anticipate a judge. A judge is very different than a jury. There's less emotion. They look at the law. There's no risk of nullification. And so if the, if the prosecutor has remotely a case, I anticipate this getting bound over. And one thing to be prepared for, even if a prosecutor fails at the first preliminary hearing, they can refile and start over again. Like this is, uh, it's unfortunate, It's it, but prosecutors have this leeway um, in bringing these cases and they get kind of multiple bites at the apple at the outset. Um, so I anticipate this moving forward. Uh, possible timeline on when, when that would move forward to the pre- preliminary hearing? Well, the preliminary hearing, I believe, is set for next week. Oh, is, is, oh okay. Okay. Yeah. Right. So, I, you know, they filed the inf- information back in January, and I think a prosecutor kind of wanted to see if I can get away with 
indicting this and moving this forward without the public preliminary hearing, I'm going to do it. And it backfired. And now he's got to go forward the, the public uh, preliminary hearing and everyone's eyes are going to be on it now after this. So um, it's going to be interesting. But yeah, that goes forward, I believe, next week. And then after that, you know, it's a defendant's right to a speedy trial. So they get to really kind of somewhat dictate when that trial goes forward after that. Uh, final question, when he goes next week on the 18th and presents, I, it's probably different timetables, but could the judge immediately say, is it the, a situation where the judge usually immediately says yes or no, we're going to go to trial, or does it sometimes take the time? Sometimes it takes the time, but usually it's it's right then and there. At the end of the close of evidence being presented by either side, the judge will make a determination. Um, it's really, a, a, I, I can't stress enough how low this threshold is to have a case move forward. Um, it's not the same bar that a jury has, you know, it's probable cause. Um, and that's very low. I, I put on these as a, as an intern in the DA's office and I swear the judge was asleep. Um, it's so, I, I mean, and I was trying to be like, entertaining and interesting but it it wasn't working and so i'm telling you the 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 usually this is such it's a boring process it's but it's you know this one's a little different high notoriety interesting case a lot of public um, people involved unlv bishop gorman young recruit you know you know and it's it's a terrible story, tragic, sad story. And so the community is involved. And now the prosecutor has to do the right thing for not just the victim's family, um, but also the defendant and the community, the taxpayers who, who pay their salary. SalmonAshLaw.com on Twitter at SalmonAshLaw, 702-820-1234. There are uh, legal attorneys, uh, personal injury, nobody better in Vegas. And that's why we had Ash on. Thanks, Ash. Take care of yourself. We'll talk to you next week. Oh, thank you, guys. Talk to you next week. Bye. I'm, I'm glad we did that because I, boy, it is, it seems now he's going to trial if there's not a plea bargain. And when she puts it in perspective, Tyler, of the amount of years it could be comparative to what a plea bargain might be, that's like, that's an interesting part. Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll give you this from yesterday, Ed. I was, um, maybe I shouldn't have been shocked because it's sports fans. I was shocked that I saw UNLV fans on Twitter asking if UNLV is going to take Zayon Collins back now. Like this, like what? like this, just okay. like this, just erase the entire accident. No. A man is dead. Yeah, yeah. no, I coming to you and LV. If he if he would walk or get probation or whatever, and listening to Ash, I don't know if that's even possible given even the reckless driving with uh with death. I don't even know if that's possible. Let's just say it is. I don't think you or I or Jared. I don't think any of us would be shocked if a school in another state or wherever would take him because at that point. You're, you know, you 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 have a, a you know, you you have to speak on it one time, and you know, let's say it's somewhere in the Midwest. There is no chance, zero, that UNLV could take this kid, and if they did, forget about it with the publicity. So no, there's no chance they can take him. But if you're asking me if for whatever reason he doesn't t- do time, I don't think either of us would be shocked if someone else took him. That wouldn't shock me at all. It can't be UNLV. Quote from T.J. Otzelberger last night. As we look at the potential to add recruits, it's being intentional about recruiting maturity. You cannot tell us you're looking to recruit maturity and then bring back the guy that was involved in an accident that killed somebody because he was running late for basketball practice and over the legal limit of THC. That's just, you can't do that if you're TJ Otzelberger. This this is the, God, if he walks, if he has to go junior college, like that's the only way I see this working out. 
if that's even a possibility. I, well, and here's the other thing. Like she said, and he, he, he could have a speedy trial at this point. Like you don't even know how long this would take, right? right. I mean, I mean, a speedy yeah. trial. I mean, I, I don't, I mean, who knows if there's even a decision to make by the next time the season would start, but yeah. I I'm telling you, if he walks and you tell me, Jared, I don't know, a big 12 team in the middle of the country, oh, wow. not saying what specific one would take him. I, I wouldn't be shocked. I'm not saying it's right or whatever, but it cannot be UNLV and, any fan who would even suggest they should take him is just, I'm sorry, that's ignorant, that you cannot take him at, at UNLV. All right, coming up next, it's Bischoff's Briefs, where we try to guess who's going to play goalie for the Golden Knights tonight. Bischoff's Briefs. I'm asking you if you know the difference between right and wrong. I discovered at a very early age that if I talk long enough, I could make anything right or wrong. Bischoff's Briefs. So either I'm God or truth is relative. Bischoff's Briefs. And in either case, booyah. Bischoff's Briefs. Yesterday, Marc-Andre Fleury was placed on the COVID list for the NHL. The Golden Knights, uh, they have not said anything about it yet. Pete DeBoer is uh, scheduled to talk to the media shortly. They have morning skates starting at 9.30, and then after that, DeBoer will talk to the media ahead of their game against St. Louis tonight, but I imagine Fleury will be the uh, most pressing question. Um, I, I assume there's no way he plays because he's on the COVID list, and guys are normally on the COVID list for more than one day. Uh, we don't know if it was a positive test for Fleury or if he was just in close contact with somebody else. Uh, but today, Bischoff's Priest is going to try to figure out who's going to play goalie for the Golden Knights tonight because there are a few options. Uh, technically speaking, Robin Leonard is an option. Uh, it's been 32 days since Robin Leonard was expected to start a game, showed up to the arena, and went home. Um it was 30 days before we even really saw Leonard anywhere, but he was at Henderson Silver Knights practice yesterday. Uh, Sinman.Vegas tweeted out some video of Robin Leonard working in the crease. So he's back on the ice, but uh, I can't imagine he is going to be able to play in an NHL game in St. Louis tonight, considering he went to Henderson on what they call a conditioning loan. So getting him back, uh, probably not going to happen Tonight, or even tomorrow, Saturday when they play St. Louis, but it still is an option. Beyond Robin Leonard, the other two best options would be Oscar Dansk and Logan Thompson. Oscar Dansk, he's played in one game this year. He gave up four goals, had that uh, hilarious whiff to allow the game-tying goal to the San Jose Sharks. But the Golden Knights did win in overtime. Dansk has played six career NHL games. His save percentage is 906. Only played in three AHL games so far this year. Does have a good save percentage, 928 in those, but he was 908 in the AHL last year for the Chicago Wolves. So Oscar Dan's certainly an option, even though he is not, uh, we haven't seen a transaction yet that would put Oscar Dan's back on the Golden Knights roster. He's on the Silver Knights roster at the moment. That also leaves you with Logan Thompson. Prior to this season, Logan Thompson had played just one game at the AHL level. One, AHL, not NHL, AHL level. Uh, he has played with the Silver Knights a lot this year. His save percentage has been phenomenal. 9-4-6. Our scout, Jared Justice, tells us that Logan Thompson is very good. 
Uh, last year in the ECHL, he had a 929 save percentage. Two years ago at Brock University, he had a 934 save percentage. So he's had a good save percentage pretty much everywhere he has been. And that brings us to a game you guys are both going to have to guess at. Logan Thompson is the all-time leader in save percentage in Golden Knights history. He's never allowed a goal. He's made two saves. That's a perfect 100%. So, there are eight goalies who have played in net for the Golden Knights. Can either one of you guess who is second all-time in save percentage behind Logan Thompson? Did Pickard ever actually play for the team? Pickard is not one of the eight to ever play in a game. I can't believe I can't remember this guy's name, but when we were we did that trip to the, the first year, the Rangers and the Islanders. That's when the uh, we had to leave. Uh, Adam and Heidi and I had to leave the trip because the terrorist bombed downtown Manhattan. We had to run down there and, and cover that guy. Um, so what? <laughs> just a quick little aside. Okay, let's see. You no, can't just Mar- throw that out there without uh, explaining it. Don't. Don't you remember the guy yes. uh, who drove his car down the middle of the street and, and tragically killed people? We were at, we'd covered the Islanders game, I believe. Then we were at the Rangers and we're there for pregame skate, like, you know, four, three, four in the afternoon. And we get the call from the office, like, this happened. You, Adam, and Heidi head down, you know, to downtown Manhattan and cover that for us. So I never got to see the Ranger game. But there was some goalie playing for them at that time because I think Flurry was hurt or something. That you know what, Tyler? I don't know his name, but I'm picking that guy, Garrett Sparks. I, I don't know his name, but I'm picking. I'm that picking guy. that dude. Yeah, uh, Garrett Sparks comes in at seventh. Wow. Uh, of eight at eight okay. five seven. Okay. And I'm gonna I'm gonna guess the player you're thinking of because this was year one, right? Right, right. Year one. I'm gonna guess you're thinking of Max Legacy. I forgot about Max. Yes. Max Legacy. I never knew how to pronounce his name. Legacy or Legacy? Yeah. I'll uh, go with Max. He is sixth at 8 okay. six, All right. Eight. So then right. Subban, who is probably what, fifth? Subban is fifth. Good job. 9-0-1. So <laughs> does, you guys, Leonard ca- does Leonard count? Everybody. Logan Thompson's made oh. two saves, Ed, and he's number one. So everybody yeah. counts. <laughs> so that leaves, um, that leaves Dansk, so, Flurry, uh, and Leonard. Leonard. And then one, what? One more that we don't know? Yes, you're missing one more that you do not know. I think he was on that trip also, because there were two dudes on that trip. I'm like, I never heard of these guys, but they're now Golden. And you're um, sure Calvin Pickard never played a game? Calvin Pickard never played a regular season game for the Golden Knights. Well, okay. I guess I'll say two. Is Leonard? Robin Leonard is number three at 909. Flurry. Uh, who, who are we missing? Because Flurry would be, too, he'd be a layup, right? He'd be too easy. Flurry is number two. Oh, oh too bad. come on. Come on. If All we're right. going to do this, Yo, have some weird, have some weird name boo. in number two. So, <laughs> you guys have, you have identified Oscar Dansk, and there is one other goalie you have not identified. You do not, ha- you have not figured out who is fourth overall and who is last, eighth overall. It, would either one of you like to guess where Oscar Dansk is? Eighth. Well, after that soft goal, I'll go eighth. He is fourth overall. Wow. No six. Oscar Dansk, oh. better than Malcolm Subban. So who's eighth? I, I gotta hear this right. name. I gotta hear this uh, name. I think he was on the trip too. He has only faced two shots in his career. One of them oh. went in the back of the net. Dylan Ferguson. Oh, that wasn't him. So the the guy you taught the the spark or legacy guy was the guy I was thinking about. <laughs> so, I forgot that Dylan Ferguson even made an appearance. Those are your top eight goalies of all time. Logan Thompson wow. is number one. So all of that is to say. 
that if Logan Thompson has to play tonight, they're fine. He's never given up a goal in the NHL. Wow. Can't wait for this pregame press conference. The questions that are going to come out about the goalies. I will say that, like, if Logan Thompson goes out there and, like, has a shutout, I'm taking a victory lap. Why is that? Because because he said he makes a lot of saves because Jared has listened to Silver Knights games. I've also watched the them all because those <laughs> sometimes simulcast on TV. Okay. Uh, how all else right. would I know that Darren Millsy well, Millard's suit was the same? Listen, I believe that because you can't afford to go to a game. It's 70 bucks a pop. <laughs> I would have to do like five shows to be able to yes. pay to see the Silver Knights game. I'm not doing it. Why is it so expensive? Nobody I don't know. All right, coming up next, <laughs> Cassie Soto is going to join the show. Uh, we're going to find out how her interview went with one of those pilots, and if uh, somebody would, if she'd be okay with the proposal where the plane would write your name in the sky. Guy. She is a used Honda Civic, hates fifty percent of her dogs, and will never get engaged. Time to mock Raiders.com's Cassie Soto on the press box. Cassie, how are you feeling about uh, that rejoin on the second time? Raiders.com. So, so happy still. Oh, Smiling so big. <laughs> oh, are man. you just someone that's happy to hear their name said out loud? I'm happy that I'm sure you guys probably paid that guy to say all of those things. <laughs> Actually, I do think he gets paid. He does get paid. <laughs> yes. It's he true. does, in fact, get paid. I am... Uh, I don't know. I'm disappointed. I don't know. Jared, do we need to go meaner? I mean, no. those those are the meanest things I can think of. <laughs> I mean, with, I mean, when you start off with she's a Honda Civic. Then, used. I mean, uh, used. Used. I don't know how we. I don't know how much meaner we can get. All right. Yeah. Well, no, no. That's good. That's just the perfect amount of mean. Well, no. See, all right. We're going to go uh-huh. meaner. That's what we're going to have to do here. All right, no. Cassie, I've, I've got an important question because last week, uh, you couldn't do 9.30 with us on Friday because you had to go talk to some Thunderbird pilot or something like that. Um, how would you feel about getting proposed to with a plane that writes your name in the sky? Ooh. Oh, my God. Oh, that would no. be kind of cool. It might take forever. <laughs> well, yes. It would take a long would, time. That's the, like that's the downside. me Like, it wouldn't make any sense. Oh, goodness. He's not paying blimp? for that. I'll take a blimp. There's no way this a blimp with this it. poor kid's this poor kid's not paying for any of that. There's right, no how chance. about just how about just the cheap planes you'll see flying over the beach or something with a big banner strapped to the yes. back that says yeah. Cassie, will you marry me? Yeah. Free in- call for insurance quote at one eight hundred whatever. Yes. 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 Oh man. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Your your marriage proposal's on the other side. They flew the wrong way down the beach, so you missed it. <laughs> can, can you imagine the boyfriend saying, look up, look up, and, the, and they went the wrong side? The one staring out to the ocean, all she sees is the insurance company? Like, what's that? What happened? I just want to, now oh. all I want to do is pay for a plane to fly across the beach with just, will you marry me on it? <laughs> so that, like, a bunch of couples get into, like, massive arguments. Oh. Can you imagine? And, like, the girl looks up and is like, oh, like, you're like me. You've been dating for 10 years, and you look up, and you're like, oh, my God. Is that for me? He's like, nah, homie. <laughs> Not you. <laughs> Would you be convinced it was for you, though? Like, you're the one sitting on the beach and you think it is for you? I don't think so. I feel like, no, like, 
because we're both so like family orientated, I know some way somehow our family will be involved. So like, yeah, us two at a beach doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. Well, speaking of family, I was at the Thomas and Mac the other night, and here stocking up was uh, Los, your father Carlos with the mask on, scared the hell out of all of us. I'm like, what are you stocking up here for? Well, you walk up like a human being who's like kind of crawling up. Uh, he believes, for whatever reason, he gave me a hard time, and I'm going to ask you about this uh, from Raiders.com. He believes we're too negative about the Raiders, and he thinks if everyone's positive about the Raiders, the town will become very excited, and they'll be more supportive of the Raiders. And I told Los, do you know what business we're in? Do you know what your daughter does? So it appears Dad thinks we're all too negative about the Raiders. No, he did not say that. He did too, yeah. He said, you got to be more positive about the Raiders. The community will get behind the team. I said, hey, Los, stop with the comments. Yes, oh, he said that. Oh, my God. <laughs> So I'm is this so is this like a family discussion every day? Yeah, does he no. tell you this? Well, no, she Not works for all. Raiders.com. She's going to be positive <laughs> either way. Man, they have to pay me to say good things, right? I get in trouble uh, if I don't. Oh, man. Oh, Dad. Yeah. Yeah. Ruining my rep, my guy. What the yeah. heck? I, well, I also... Was Adam there? Adam was that. That's who he was talking to. He, I, I said, "Hey, Carlos, you know both of us. Why? Why are you stocking up like this with that mask on?" Then he goes to tell me that uh, I gave the kid credit. He said, "Cause you know we're all getting vaccinated and everything, and and you know it's happened to people I know. It's like if you if something you know if you get symptoms, sometimes it's the second dose, right? I mean that you've heard that a lot." Uh-huh. And he said, "I go, how'd you do after the second dose?" He goes, "I was completely fine. I I popped open the beer and nothing happened." I said, well, good for you. I mean, I guess nothing happened after the second dose. Wait, Cassie, didn't you just tell us he wasn't fine? He, we went to, well, no, he wasn't. He, I think he had a Red Bull. Because that was the day of the <laughs> oh. so, What? So dad, oh. dad is a, 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 a bit of a storyteller. Oh, man. Oh. Yeah, I think he wanted to be was, tough, Carlos. What's your exact oh. words? Weenie? All I can keep his rep. So sure, oh. yes, dad is oh. the beer. I'll oh, that guy, even though he throws me under the bus. Oh, he said he was fine. He goes, everything was fine. I had a beer. And I said, boy, you must be a tough guy. Everyone's having problems with the second dose. And he just kind of gave me that smile. Like, oh, now I know the truth. He's oh. full of it. He is oh. full of it. The word yeah. I can't say on air, he's full of it. <laughs> Jeez. So uh. does he critique you? Like, if you, if you do some video and you say something like, you know, Jonathan Abram, Missed the tackle? Like, is he, like, critiquing you, saying, whoa, 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 Cassie, we can't be letting people know that. All positivity. <laughs> you know what? He has before, like, earlier in my career, for sure. He even, like, the way I said a word, he's like, that's not how you say that. And I'm like, that. like, can you relax? <laughs> Honestly, Do you remember what word it was? Do you remember no. what word it was? Oh. You know what's so funny, though? One girl, when we were doing Rebel Report, and the Raiders got announced that they were that they were moving, and she said, black and silver and he immediately oh. called me. he oh. called me and he was like tell this dumb that's not oh. i was like dad she's 19 years old relax you're yelling at a child oh. <laughs> he was like she can't be on air if that's how she's gonna say she needs to know her blank word oh, blah, blah, blah. i was like okay dad i got Jeez. it like i got it thanks for checking in carlos my goodness yeah. <laughs> well <laughs> I mean, and if we want to infuriate anybody, we can just say, yeah, that's good. And if we want to infuriate Ooh. people, we can just say black and silver. Oh, my now. God. Oh we my we should do we should do like a segment called black yeah. and silver today. Yeah, we could get the T-shirts <laughs> sponsored by the press box, black and silver. 
that's oh. so on brand for you, Tyler. Please do it. It drives yes. them nuts. <laughs> 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 oh, Jesus, I, I I enjoy that Tyler's like media troll is is, is the brand yes. he settled into, <laughs> and yours is punching bag. What's and Ed? What's Ed? Almighty. Bad oh, I was going to say Ed? sort of oh, like uh, sort of Mr. Uh, Magoo, but you know. Uh, <laughs> hey, everybody! Thanks, Jared. Stick right. A s t e r i s k. You are very proud. You are so proud. You can spell asterisk. You uh. Did I get there? My bad. You're you're UNLV. You're a UNLV gal. I mean, you went to UNLV in a serious nature. I mean. Uh, once again, the basketball season ends and they're not determined. Are you, does this disappoint you? Does this, uh, kind of make you angry that they're not better and they should be? I mean, as, as a person who went to UNLV, I, I always want to talk to those, uh, people in terms of how they view what is supposed to be their best program. You know, I just, I think I've just kind of given up mm-hmm. hope kind of like getting, you know, getting the ring. It's like, if it happens, it happens, yep. but I'm not going to stress <laughs> about it. Right. Like 100. it is what it is. Um, oh. so yeah, I think when I saw the match, I was like, Utah State, I was like, yeah, that's, that's it. Cause they're always out in the quarterfinals. Is it right? Yep. Like they always, they're yeah. always out in the quarterfinals. So I think I saw when it was like, it was close, like 36, 33 or something. I'm like, oh yeah, that's, that's not, that's not going to last very long. And then it didn't. So it tied at <laughs> halftime, Cassie, they were tied at halftime. They played 20 minutes of good basketball and cool. then stopped. So what happens yeah, first? Except there's a few minutes after that. Uh, irrelevant. What happens first? Cassie Soto engaged or UNLV in the NCAA tournament? Hmm. Whoever the recruits in the next few years? <laughs> well, unfortunately, <laughs> we're thinking that he might blow up the roster. So. <laughs> then probably UNLV in the NCAA. <laughs> Gosh. There's Cassie also a chance he's in Ames, Iowa, so he might not even be worried about that. Yeah, there you go. Uh, oh, my God. Oh, can we do that real quick? Can we figure out how many coaches UNLV has had in the time Cassie has been in her relationship? Oh. How long have you been in going the relationship? On, going on 10 years this October. Going on 10. So we're looking at, at 2011. So yeah. that was that was Dave Rice's first or second year, wasn't it? I don't know. All right. I think I had a year of – there was like a year of Kruger. So you do think you had a year of Kruger. You had a year of watching Lon Kruger with your current boyfriend, not fiance. I think, yes. (laughs) Thanks for the clarification. (laughs) Okay, so we have Dave Rice, uh, a small sample of Todd Simon, Chris Beard, Marvin Menzies, and TJ Otzelberger, which gets us to five, uh, maybe six if, if you made it in on Lon Kruger. And how many wow. years has – and um, so San Diego State's coach during that time? Oh, two, well, actually. Two. Oh, no. Two. Yeah, two because uh, Fisher was there for a really long time and Dutcher. But Dutcher was always with him. So, no, it's two, though. It's two head coaches. Yeah. How about San Jose State? Let's do that one. Wait a minute. Now, see, this is now, the problem. Now the game The fact that UNLV on any levels compared to San Jose State, we have found the issue. We have found the headline here. When you start comparing them to San Jose State, that should be a like a you know a, a suggestion that maybe things aren't going well here. So, because <laughs> you asked Cassie, UNLV in your relationship has had five different head coaches. San Jose State has had three. Oh. Word. Oh. Oh no. Oh. 
Not good. Oh no. Are but we I counting? Are we counting Chris Beard? Oh yeah, Chris Beard's yeah, in he, there. So is right. Todd Simon. Oh yeah, he All signed the contract. All yeah, five okay. of them are in there. Um, I can say this though: since your relationship started, San Jose State has not had a winning season in basketball. Not looking good for either of us. <laughs> UNLV, UNLV has at least had a couple of winning seasons mixed oh. in there, but none you know, for San Jose State. Okay, you know what's so crazy? So, like, on SportsCenter ESPN, when you're watching, it's, like, the top five programs that have 25 or more wins in, like, program history, like, the consecutive years, and UNLV is up there. Yes. Always yes. up there. Yeah. It was it was just this week Gonzaga passed UNLV for most yeah. uh, weeks ranked at number one all time. Think about that. Isn't that so nuts? Yeah, it's um, like they were really yes. good at one point. That, yeah. like, since, like, I've been able to understand, like, what a television is, like, I feel like I haven't <laughs> ever seen that from UNLV. <laughs> do you want, uh, now, because uh, we're famous here in the press box for being positive, do you want me to oh, give yes, you a sorry. positive thought? Let's hear it. About your let's, school? This let's week. Let's make sure Lowe's is listening, yes. Yes, I think this week, <laughs> I'm pretty sure that... UNLV women's volleyball, who I don't think has lost a season, was number one in the net rankings. RPI. RPI, Ed. Oh, RPI. I mean, yes. I, I guess it's the same thing. But, I mean, RPI, number one in RPI. UNLV women's volleyball, they have not lost this year. Now, they had, sadly, they had a COVID uh, uh, situation this week where they're not, I think it was New Mexico or Fresno State, they're not going to go and play those. But you now can go around and say, hey, you want to you want forget football and basketball. Let's talk volleyball, my friend. And I'll tell you, you what's happening. What? I think I have a UNLV volleyball T-shirt, so I might have to rock that here shortly. Ooh. Cassie, that's actually what I used to do whenever I, people would be like, oh, the basketball football team suck. I'd go, yeah, well, the dance team has won three national championships in the last five years. Hey, the Rebel Girls, let me tell you, those are some women right there. <laughs> you got to hang your hat, right? You got to hang your hat on this positive stuff. Such it's such a sad it's such a sad turn of events that it's like you have two UNLV graduates on this show right now and neither of us can come up with anything better yeah. than the dance team and the volleyball team are are pretty good and we might own a shirt. Hey, the whoa, whoa, engineering whoa. program just got approved for a huge grant. They're gonna get a new engineering building. Now that's what's important. And a medical school. They're doing yep. well on those ends for sure. And law. Absolutely. UNLV law. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, good thing Cassie went for communications. <laughs> hey, urban studies. <laughs> urban affairs, Jared. Urban oh, affairs. Okay. I don't know. I used to sleep uh, on the couch in the middle of the Greenspun building. So, oh, you know, those were nice couches. Not after I was done with them. <laughs> Ew. Was... <laughs> All right, she's Cassie Soto. Uh, uh... Follow her on Twitter at underscore Cassie Soto. Thanks, Cassie. Thanks, Cass. Does she have an underscore? She does have an yeah, underscore. Yeah, she does. Yeah. She does? Yeah, the yeah. Raiders are that. working on getting her just Cassie Soto and They're the trying. blue check mark. I didn't know she had I, the... Uh, I've got an underscore, too. Uh, it's, somebody stole Tyler Bischoff and Bischoff Tyler. It's brutal. I don't really? know who these people are, but they got to go. Cassie's got, Cassie's got the check mark. Oh, oh wow. Yeah. Yeah. Underscore Cassie Soto. Does, still has is. the underscore, See, but the check mark I, I is thought, there. I thought you wow. needed. I, I always, I thought the, the underscore, you know, meant that they were like, nope, no check mark. You're fake. Oh, yeah, no, man. she's got it for real. All right, coming up next, big news out of Lights FC. Finally, they actually made some news official. They will be a minor league team for LAFC this year. 
Let's end the show with something sweet. This is the dessert menu brought to you by Silver State Schools Credit Union. Prioritizing people over profit. Dolly and Dottie have an LAFC hat. This has been the dessert menu brought to you by Silver State Schools Credit Union. Become a member today at SilverStateCU.com. Oh, Ed, get excited. Get excited about Llamas and Lights FC. They've actually, they exist. They're still alive. They're a real team. Maybe, kind of. Um, Lights I'm, I'm, FC. Ex- I'm excited that uh, Lashbrook gave up his, uh, his scarf there for the Llama. Good for him. Oh, Lashbrook's like always that. giving up his scarf. He wants to put a <laughs> scarf on everybody in Las Vegas, even though it's 174 degrees when his team plays. Uh, so, Lights FC, it's been reported in a few different places um, that Lights FC are going to enter into a partnership with LAFC, where mm-hmm. LAFC of Major League Soccer is basically going to supply the players. Uh, and that the the coach will be Steve Terundolo, who's technically on the LAFC staff, but he'll coach Lights FC in the USL games. They'll all practice in Los Angeles, and then when Lights have a game, they'll send a certain number of players over to Vegas to play in the USL game. So it's basically a minor league setup for Lights FC for this season. Um, if that's any good or not, we'll find out. We'll find out if the team's any good. I do know the uh, small fan base that I pay attention to on Twitter, not thrilled about this. That's, uh, I'll tell you why that's surprising, and you can speak on it, because uh, you've been a lot of the, most of the games, uh, Meteor season ticket holder. When I heard about this, and you said this, the odds are, correct me if I'm wrong, the level of player will be better than what they had. I think, you know, I think people went to the Lights games for a lot of reasons. Obviously, they were soccer fans, but also, you know, the atmosphere, uh, very affordable, all that. So I thought if there was a chance that they thought the players would be better and they're still going to games at Cashman, I don't know why they would be not happy with that. You know what I mean? It's like if you have a chance to win more games and you still get the atmosphere and the llamas and everything people love about that, like why wouldn't you want that? So two things. Number one, most of the people who are diehard fans are annoyed that Lights FC have literally not said anything for months. Like since the season ended, they haven't said a single thing. It's March 12th, the season is supposed to start in like a month and a half, and okay. let the, the, the team just didn't exist. There are no players, no coaches. Now, we know they're all LAFC players and coaches, so they do exist. Uh, so right. that was one of the issues, was just that there was zero communication to the diehard fans of this team. The second one is just simply the fact that it's not Las Vegas Lights anymore. Like, they're, they're still going to be called Las Vegas Lights, but it's LAFC too. Like, LAFC right. is going to control... Who plays for this team? What games are important? Who they send over? And that's, again, you're cheering for a minor league team. You're not cheering for an independent team, which is less fun. Now, they should have better players. We assume they'll have better players. We assume they should have a better record this year than they have the first three years. But that's mainly because the first three years have been a disaster. So maybe that changes if they're actually playing well in a playoff spot and you're showing up to Cashman and watching them win. But for the diehard fans, that's what they're upset about. Now, I'll say this. The group of diehard fans is not very big. There's not a large group of diehard Las Vegas Lights fans. There are people that show up and go to games that will have no idea that the players they're watching are from LAFC. And that might make up the majority of people that actually go to Cashman Field to watch them play. Okay. I I still think if I was a a fan of them, I, I wouldn't be happy maybe that they haven't said anything or... You know, you've said that, like, what about news about the coach? Why are they not saying anything? 
But if I think I'm watching a better product and I think they're going to win more games, then I'd be happy that I still get to go to games of cash and I still get to have my season ticket holders, season tickets. I, let me ask you this. Here's the opposite of that or here's the alternative. Because you've heard in the past, you know, would Brett sell it? You know, financially, is this smart for him to continue on? All of those things. I would ask the people who are upset, okay, then you get a choice. It's this way or there's no team. I would guess they'll take this way. Oh, yeah. I mean, taking, I, I would. I mean, take it yeah. this way. Yeah, yeah. It's this or nothing. But and the other part of this, the financial side for Brett Lashbrook, who, by the way, is going to join us on Monday at 730 for me to yell at him about this. Um, this probably makes sport. this probably makes a lot of sense financially for Brett Lashbrook because sure. LAFC is paying the players and the coaches. He does not have mm-hmm. to pay salaries of players and coaches this year. Um, or at least that's what's been reported. And, you know, it, he, I'm sure he's going to have more expenses than this, but it's basically a, hey, turn on the lights at Cashman Field when there's a game, LAFC's sending the team down, and that's what Lashbrook has to worry about. So from a financial standpoint, when we're sitting here in a pandemic, in a sport where fans coming to the game is what drives the majority of the revenue, it's probably a brilliant financial move from Lashbrook that'll just anger some of his fans. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, we all love Brett, but uh, people have been angry before. So uh, I'm sure he'll be okay. He'll have the, he'll have the scarf on. Uh, you know, he'll be great when he joins us. And, you know, maybe there's a playoff push with these new players. I, I, like I said, if I was a fan, it wouldn't bother me. But I'm, I'm, I, I don't, I'm not a season ticket holder. I, I've been to the games I've been to have just been for coverage or media. It's a great atmosphere. People seem to have a lot of fun, and whether it's in the parking lot with all the food trucks and everything or in the games. So it just wouldn't bother me. But again, I'm not, I, you know, I'm, I haven't followed it enough to like have a feeling one way or the other, but I think this is good for people all the way around. I would say it's a be- probably a better team and financially solvable. Like you just said, it's better financially, which means maybe it sticks around lo- longer than people thought it would. Yeah. And I- I'll say this, and if Brett's listening, he can start taking notes on how to answer this. Cause the first question I'll ask him when he comes in here on Monday, not that he comes in anywhere. Cause we're at home. Oh my but- God. Can he please do it live from your house? Uh, probably not. I don't want him oh. around me. Come on. Um, but the, uh, he said when he, when he got the team, that this team was by Las Vegas for Las Vegas of Las Vegas. Right. Right. That's kind of hard to say when all the players and coaches are LAFC property and they practice in LA and just hey, fly here for the games. Listen, now you're just, you're just changing the V with an A by LA for LA and LA. I mean, it's not, you know, with the gear and stuff, that's not hard to do. You just turn the A into a V. Come on. More gear to sell. So, Lights FC, finally, some news is actually out there about this team uh, becoming LAFC's affiliate for this season. We'll talk to Lashbrook on Monday about it and yell at him about it. But, uh, yeah, we'll see. Well, I'm curious how their season goes and, like, how many fans are they going to be allowed to have? When are they going to be allowed to have fans? Because, like, what, Joe Biden, What he just said that the plan is for all adults to be eligible to be vaccinated on, starting on May 1st. So, wow. Lights FC season starts before May 1st, but are, are we talking once everybody's eligible to be vaccinated, you can have some more significant crowds in June, July, August for the summer months when they're playing? I'm, I'm curious to see because this is one of the leagues that it doesn't make sense for them to play unless there's fans. They don't make money unless there's fans at the game. They don't, they're on ESPN+. Plus. They don't have a massive TV deal. So I'm curious what their season looks like from a fan standpoint. You'll be there. I'll be there soon. I will be. be fun. I will yeah, be. be fun. Yeah. So uh, we'll get we'll talk to him on Monday. Um, and good shows this week. Solid, positive. 
Uh, yeah, yeah, well, we couldn't be more. We couldn't be more excited about things we talked about this week. Where are we? I thought we were too negative, according to Cassie's dad. No. <laughs> Close.